so good to be at City Lights. We were away last weekend, and uh, we had a good time, like Dan said, but I was like, what is happening at City Lights? I want to be there. It's just that you guys are in our hearts. We think about you all the time, and, and we love you, and we appreciate you, and God's got big things for us. I don't know how your summer was. Um, my summer was very good. Dan and I personally had a brilliant summer. Last summer was not quite like that. I had I probably, you can say, burnout. Um, it was we were moving into this warehouse, and I didn't get proper rest, and we were stressed out, and the contractors were involved. And Dan just had one fight with the contractor, and Dan said, uh, you tomorrow. You are getting on the plane tomorrow. And so it was an emergency, called my parents. And then when I was there, I've preached this before. I said, I'm not coming back. I was just adamant that I was going to stay. And God spoke a word into my heart, do not retreat. And that's the word that I brought to you guys last summer. So one year later, fast forward, we've learned a lot. And we've learned to be wise and to take proper rest. And so today's message is finding rest for your soul. This word was birthed out of the, from the hills of Oman. We were in Jebel Akhtar. I recommend you go there. It means the green mountain. It's like 47 degrees on the floor, and it's like 22 degrees in the mountain. It is gorgeous. I took pictures of me with goosebumps, literally walking around in a gown. It was stunning. That, is, that was when I first understood. When I looked at this majestic mountain, that's when I understood this is what rest is. We only need to look at CNN and on Google and see that the world is in unrest. There is uh, turmoil, places like hotels, places of worship, schools, places where we should find peace are the very places that are being bombed, the very places that are bringing terror into the world. There is a war on rest. Even technology is fighting for your attention. You can be looking at YouTube while looking at your phone, while having the TV in the background or receiving WhatsApps on your second phone, and so there is no um, peace for your soul. There is unrest, and it's manifesting itself through various fears. It's manifesting itself through uh, anxieties and uh, ulcers. The people are, are getting f uh, depression, diseases, restless sleep, muscle tension, chronic fatigue, nervousness, changing moods, food disorders from overeating to complete lack of appetite. John 14 verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Out of that text, there are two types of peace that we can get. We can get the peace that the world is offering us, and then we can get the peace that Jesus is offering us. So the, the, the world offering peace, you don't, you, can, you don't have to be a Christian to get that peace. Everyone can get that peace, because it's all got to do with your atmosphere and your surroundings. If there's no war then you're at peace. If the baby's put to sleep and you've got a cup of tea, then you're at peace. When you're getting a salary every month, you're at peace. It means that when your outer world is at peace, you're at peace. Anyone can experience that peace. But what is the peace that Jesus promises? It's his peace. It's the peace that passes all understanding. It's the peace that when you're in a storm and when the battle's raging, that's when you can experience peace. So what is the peace that the world is offering? When we were in Holland, you just walk past coffee shops and you see 
where people are finding their peace. You smell where people are finding their peace. But with every high comes a low. And so that brings about a measure of peace, but that brings about a temporary peace. What about horoscopes? People believing that the sun and the moon and the stars are lining up and deciding your destiny. The very stars and the moon that God created with the breath of his mouth, we are looking to those things to determine our future. There is no scientific proof to this day that horoscopes are true and correct, but yet people are looking to find peace in those things. What about superstitions? A belief or way of behaving that is based on fear of the unknown and faith in magic or luck, a belief that certain events or things will bring good or bad luck. Superstitions that are hanging over your head. Yoga, Zen, people looking from within themselves to find peace. Zen, looking from outside, exterior, making sure everything around you is peace. That is temporary peace. I was reading something that the Hindus are absolutely fascinated that Christians would take part in yoga because yoga is, from, is a Hindu practice. And the Hindus are saying that there is no yoga without Hinduism and there is no Hinduism without yoga. It comes from the root word to bind, to yoke yourself. And so Hinduism has, pract- has, has, has crept into the West and they've marketed it very nicely and packaged it very well and they've sold it to the West and people are opening up their minds and their hearts to this thing that they think is all very innocent. But it offers temporary peace, not eternal, long-lasting peace. Hinduism believes in polytheism, which means all roads, many roads lead to God. And so that is what is is crept up into the West, is this confusion, the spirit of confusion. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Some turn to religion and good works to appease their conscience and to bring them temporary peace. What about karma? Again, from Hinduism and Buddhism, it's a Hindu word. Basically meaning that in your, whatever you've done in your past existences or whatever you've done here on earth, you have to pay for. Where Jesus is saying that what I do, if you believe in me, I can, sep- I can take your sins and I can put them as far as the east is from the west. I do not hold your sins against you. I paid a price for your sin. I will not remember your sins. Some turn to unhealthy relationships on the search for acceptance and love, only to realize that too offers temporary peace. Evolution, the theory that humans have evolved through the ages from apes. God created the ape. God says that in my image I have created mankind to look like God in his image. He was before time. He is the beginning and the end. For some, they place their peace in their wealth and their many possessions. Some people have peace when they have wealth and when they have possessions. And you think, are the enemies after my car? I'm sure that he's not. The enemies after my house. The enemies after my stuff. The enemies after my promotion. The enemies after my position. The enemies after me. The enemies after your peace. 
but he knows that your peace lies in your stuff. And when God, when Satan attacks your stuff, then he takes your peace. And you think you've got the victory when you get your stuff back. But it was never after your stuff. It was after your peace. And you have the victory when you resist the temptation to give over your peace. There is the prince of the power of the air, which the Bible says in Ephesians 2, which, that he works in the hearts and minds of unbelievers. But what we have living inside of us is the prince of peace. And we, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And the prince of peace should be greater than the prince of the power of the air. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Perfect means having all the required or desirable elements, qualities, or characteristics as good as it is possible to be. We can't add to the peace because it's perfect. It's complete. What robs us of perfect peace? Four things. Practical. Not taking your day of rest. Presence. Spending time in God's presence. Purpose. Not submitting to the purpose of God on your life. And the promise of eternal salvation. So practical, not taking a day of rest. Bill Johnson says, Busyness always wars against your awareness of God. We enlarge our awareness of God through rest. We cannot multitask the voice of God. We cannot be having all of these things running. There's chaos in our minds. There's, there's all these open windows on our desktop. And there's all of these text messages coming through. And we're also just multitasking the voice of God. It doesn't work like that. The voice of God whispers. The voice of God speaks to you in your day of rest. God says, six days shall you labor. Seventh day you will rest. Genesis 2, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. When we were in Jerusalem, we were staying at the Crown Plaza, and obviously they take the Sabbath very seriously, which just means a day set apart to, to honor God, to reflect on God. And so what they did was we were in the Crown Plaza, and they set the lift to open up on every level. So even picking up your finger and pushing a button is considered too strenuous. They walk everywhere instead of driving, which for me, that seems more strenuous. But if you've got road rage... Maybe they're trying to avoid that. But it does everything. Everything is prepared in those six days so that on that seventh day, you have proper rest. We need to find, in the New Testament, we need to find our rhythms of rest. It's interesting that in Genesis 1, God says, and then there was, God created light, and there was evening, and then there was morning, day one. God created the sky. And then there was evening, and then there was morning, day two. And he goes on. You can read about it in Genesis 1. It's so interesting. We think the day starts when we wake up. The day starts in the evening in a resting place. And everything that we do should come from that resting place. We don't like to rest. We like to be in control. But we sleep for 30 years of our life. So somebody has to be in control while we're sleeping. Did you have any control of the day that you were born? Anyone? Did anyone decide the day that they were born? 
This was a day decided by God. Yet we think that we can still try and control situations, dates, times, and seasons, which are clearly held in the hand of God. He is sovereign. Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and appointed you. God is ruler over all. God is sovereign. What does sovereign mean? Sovereign means that he is the supreme ruler. Ephesians 1 verse 11, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Does he work out everything according to our plan? No, he doesn't. He works out things according to his plan because he is the beginning and the end. And he's been around for much longer than we have. And he is omniscient and he is all-knowing and he is all-seeing and he is all-powerful. And so we need to rest and trust and lean into the fact that God is the supreme ruler over all. We need to be taking necessary rests. For those of you who are introverted, it means spending time alone. For those of you who are extroverted, it means that you get energized by spending time with people. When you find your day of rest, for, 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 Christ, for Jews it may be Saturday, for Christians it is Sunday. For us, we don't know when that day of rest is because we have different schedules and different timelines, but it is important for us to find that place of rest. You need to make room in your life for recovery. In gym, for those of you who go to gym, you can tell me if this is true, honey. It is important for, for you to rest your muscles. And it's in the resting that the muscles you have worked on are getting stronger. And on the day of rest is when I find I get my best ideas. It's when you switch off that, that you start. And I know workaholics reject this. I was at that stage when people said you need a holiday and I'll immediately take their head off. I don't need a holiday. Don't tell me I need a holiday. Is the washing going to wash itself? Who's going to be doing this? Who's going to be doing that? We need to learn to grow our no so God can bless our yes. Let's read Matthew 6 verse 24 to 31. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. All of us are too busy to even look at the birds. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things. Things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. 
and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Some of us need to meditate on the Scripture and actually assess our lives and see, are we serving money or are we serving God? Are we seeking comfort or are we seeking God? Are we seeking blessing or are we seeking God? Because God's very clear that when you seek God, all these things will be added to you. And so some of us are, are sacrificing to the God of money. We're sacrificing our time. We're sacrificing our families. We're sacrificing our uh, integrity. We're sacrificing our character. And we're turning around saying, God, bless me. But bless me, I don't understand. And we are giving and we are, are selling ourselves short because we are enslaved to the God of money because our priorities are in the wrong place. But as we expecting God, expecting God to bring about your breakthrough and your blessing. When God says, seek first the kingdom above all else and all these things, he knows what you need. He clothes the lilies that will burn. He clothes the birds that he will burn. Productivity can become idolatry. I can get more done. I can make more money. And we strive. What does strive mean? To make great efforts to achieve or obtain something. There's only striving mentioned once in the Bible. And it's strive to enter that place of rest. In Hebrews 4.11, do your best to enter that rest. Some of you say, I'm a planner. I need to plan and, and make sure that everything is in place. God was a planner. God created creation. God planned you. God planned your future. God is a planner. God told uh, Noah to build according to plan. God told Solomon to build a temple according to plan. But if you are lying in bed and you are just thinking about something over and over and over and you don't have a plan, then you are worrying. Philippians 4. Verse 6 to 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The presence of God. Rest in the original Hebrew, the root word means settle down and remain. For some of you may have seen what Bill Johnson preaches about the Spirit of God dwells in every believer, but it doesn't rest upon every believer. And when Jesus was baptized and he rose, there was the Spirit of God that descended on him like a dove. And the Bible says it remained on him. And if we are walking with a dove on our shoulder, we will be very much aware to walk very sensitively with the dove in mind, not to cause it to fly away. And so that is living in step with the Spirit of God. And I found that I've lost my peace over the years when I have run ahead of the Spirit of God, when I have planned ahead of the Spirit of God, and I haven't walked in step with the Spirit of God. Mark 6, verse 31, Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So I said to Dan, that's his scripture. He'll always make sure that there is time to eat. And even Jesus was like, now we need a rest because we need to make time to eat. So Jesus was in the flesh, in the body, in the human body, 
and also needed to draw along away from the crowd, also made time to rest, and that's very important. The Lord is waiting on you in the peace, and that's where his direction comes from. I'm not able to make a good decision in a chaotic mind and in a state of turmoil. Jesus speaks in the whispers. You need to understand that Satan has no peace. He is the destroyer. He is bent on destroying you. He, inside of him is unrest. All the unrest in the world is because he stirs it up. So he is unrest, and that's how you'll know that, that there's this unrest, that there's anxiety. And what he often does is that he will, he will offer it to you right now. He will say, take it right now, right now. Whereas Jesus, he draws you. He calls you. He knocks on the door of your heart. He whispers to you. He draws you to seek him out. Satan is, even after Jesus, when Jesus was led out into the desert to be tempted, he was like, Jesus, why don't you just turn, turn these stones into bread right now? It's always an urgent thing. It's always, and, and Jesus, the way he draws with you is because he cares for you, whereas the way Satan deals with you is that he leaves you with all of these consequences to pick up the pieces. Submission to God's purpose equals peace. Every area of your life needs to be under God's rest, under his lordship. The other day I I was uh, sleeping and I I woke up and I felt the Lord say to me, is every area of your life under rest? And I thought about it and I said, yes. That's amazing. I feel at peace about every area of my life. I have surrendered every single area of my life. I am no longer in control of any area in my life. And we need to get to that place. That doesn't mean the fact that I'm at peace in every area of my life doesn't mean that I don't have unanswered prayers. doesn't mean that I don't have longings that I'm still longing for. doesn't mean that everything is fine and peachy in the natural. But it means that every area of my life has been given over to God to say, I can't do anything more. It's all, up, it's all in his hands, and he can be trusted. The secret to contentment is finding peace in your season. Don't keep longing for the season that will surely come. Find peace in the season that you're in. Paul says he was content when he had little or when he had much. Philippians 4, I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Content means peaceful happiness. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed and dining with kings and queens. Or hungry. Whether you haven't been paid that month. He has found a peaceful happiness in all those seasons of his life. God can do all this through him who gives us strength. Rest comes when we submit our wills to God's will. You say that you want to hear God's will for your life, but you won't let go of that toxic relationship. You say that you want God's will for your life, but you won't let go of that job and that security blanket and those things and and the safe place. It's only when we truly surrender every area of our lives that God can bring about his breakthrough for your life. 
His will for your life. Even Jesus said, Father, when he was bowing down at the, and he had to go to the cross, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. And often people come to us, and it happened last weekend as well. People just come to us and say, just, just pray for us. Just pray for me. So sure, what would you like pray for? Just pray. Just pray for me. Pray for my future. I can only pray and agree with something that God's already spoken into your heart. It is people with an orphan spirit that walk around like they cannot hear from God directly, that they cannot find Him in His, in his go to Him and say, God, God, is, God promises that when we seek Him, you will find Him. And He rewards those who diligently seek Him. So if you want to know God's will for your life, you go to God. And you put, He puts passions and skills and all those things into your heart. He puts desires into your heart. And you respond and you surrender everything to God. And you say, start to speak to me. Start to show me. But we are sons and daughters. We are not to carry around this orphan spirit that we're trying to hear from God through other people. I'm nearly finished. I know you guys are hot. Jesus says, come to me. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. That is such incredible insight into Jesus' character. He says, come to me. Come to me. Come to, you. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Come to me. He is the one that seeks and saves the lost. Come to me. I've paid a big price for your sin and for your burden and for your lying and for your cheating and for your sexual immorality. Come to me. Come to me so that I can take that burden that weighs so heavily upon you, that shame, that rejection. I can take it upon myself for I paid a big price for that sin so that you can walk free. Why does Jesus set us free? Because freedom. Because of freedom that Christ has set us free. It's as simple as that, because there is someone that loves you and wants to see you walk free. I have wrestled things in my life. I have wrestled anxieties. I have wrestled panic, panic attacks. I have wrestled fears. I have wrestled things. And I will not stay in that place, because I don't believe God wants me to stay in that place. And I've had to fight on my knees. I've had to go into the room and say, God, I don't want this anymore. My 16-year-old brother struggled with social anxiety. I phoned him for his birthday the other day. He said, Starla, I'm free. Free from what? I didn't even know. He says, social anxiety. I couldn't, even, I couldn't even be with people. I couldn't even, it was affecting everything. I couldn't go to youth. I couldn't uh, interact with people. And he said, I just thought, in worship, I just thought, stuff that. I'm just going to go and find someone that I don't know. I'm going to ask him to pray for me. He did that. He walked up to someone in that moment, in that instant, no special prayer, in that instant, he came to Jesus and he set him free. He is now so social. I don't know. He's a, I mean, while I was talking to him, text messages coming through. He says, I'm going to this place for lunch. I'm going to this place for dinner. I'm meeting, there's this whole crew. You can find instant deliverance and freedom from fears, anxieties, and things that have been sent to torment and torture you. 
We are in an invisible battle with an enemy that hates you, that wants to come between your marriage. And we need to say no more and no further and know our authority in Christ and stand as a son and daughter of God and say, I'm sorry, but to the thief, you will steal no more. We need to care again. We need to be a church that cares for the lost. We need to be a church that invites people to Jesus. When you first meet somebody that you're in love with, you can't wait to tell the whole world about them. You can't wait to tell them about your boyfriend or your girlfriend. If you've kept Jesus a secret your whole life, has he affected you? Has he impacted you? We can't, we can't anymore be apathetic about the fact that Jesus is the answer. Watching people, going out and partying, and, and watching them, whatever, lose it, get drunk, whatever. We just need to look at them and be like, you know what? I know someone. I know someone that you will love. Come with me. Turn your back on that life. We need to love and care for them. Augustine wrote, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Worship team, you can come up. I wanted to bring, I forgot this little deodorant bottle, but our life is a vapor. If you had to just squeeze the deodorant bottle, push the deodorant bottle like for two seconds, James 4.14, your life is a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. How are we spending our time on earth, our brief moment in eternity? Are we living our life for money? Are we living our life for people? Jesus came to the earth to seek and save the lost. Are we living our life for this temporary earth or are we living our life for eternity? The world is temporary. This earth is temporary. It's a temporary place, and we cannot live our lives that this is our forever dwelling place. I want to read you a story, and then we'll come to an end. Listen to the story. After 40 years of ministry in Africa, missionary Henry Morrison retired. He sailed back to the USA, and after many days at sea, the ship docked at wharf in New York Harbor. One particular passenger aboard that ship was met with great fanfare. President Theodore Roosevelt, who was returning from a safari in Africa, was aboard that same ship. A huge crowd had gathered to welcome the president home, but not a single person was there to greet the missionary and his wife. And after four decades of faithful service overseas, this man was receiving no recognition at all. And later, as he was traveling by train to his home in the Midwest, Morrison couldn't help express the disappointment to God. And while he was praying, he sensed a small voice whispering in his ear, But Henry, you're not home yet. Heaven is our home, and God is planning a great homecoming for us all, where our souls will forever be at peace. Through relationship with the Prince of Peace, we will have eternal peace. As we worship and as we minister and give some time, this is between you and God. Let's all stand. 
I want to sing that song that Chanel was singing. I have decided and I have resolved in my heart that I would go anywhere. And in this time, I just want you to be surrendering, surrendering things to God, releasing things to God.